0: That's it. I have never had an introduction like that. <laughs> that introduction, followed by that song that still can make me cry, is Johnny, my grandson, leading singing. Just a little emotional right now. Thank y'all you for your kind words, for your encouragement. For uh, everything that you've done today, uh, the outstanding meal, uh, Amen. just tremendous. Uh, thank you for that. I always overeat on occasions like this, but uh, you're supposed to. I think you know. I don't want to offend somebody by not getting some of their stuff. So that's uh, that's what I claim anyway. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you. Uh, accepted my challenge. Now the problem is Brother Don Dean and Brother David Bowers from Glibco are here now and uh, there was a situation a lot like this. We had one of those uh, Sunday afternoons where we decided to just have lunch and then come back and have our evening service right after that. And so I did to them what I just did to you. I I promised that if you would come back I will give you the gospel in five seconds. So they heard this already. So if you've got your stopwatch, uh, you might as well forget that. <laughs> because we do what we do as those who are trying to restore New Testament Christianity. We do what we do because of what the Bible says. We do Bible things in Bible ways. We call Bible things by Bible names, right? And that's our goal. We're trying to restore the church of the New Testament, so you've got to follow the pattern. Well, in that pattern, you never find the word second used in reference to time on the clock. (laughs) So, So it is a biblical use of that term second. When I say the gospel in five seconds, you do find the word second used in the Bible with reference to something that's after the first in, in an ordinal sense, in other words, like right? in Genesis 1, you know, you have in the original, it, it simply says day 1, day 2, we say first day, second day, third day, etc. That's the way that the idea of second is used in the Bible. So, when I say the gospel in five seconds, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And the first of those seconds, you're going to find that you actually use that way in Hebrews chapter 8 you turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, you're going to read about Jesus. You've got to go way back in the context to find that. Uh, You're not going to find it in verse 6, but we know because of the context we're talking about Jesus Christ. When it says, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8 verses 6 and 7 because if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. As far as the Bible is concerned. The new covenant of Christ is the second law, the second covenant that God had with man. Now I know you have individual covenants. You had a covenant between God and Adam. Remember you had a covenant between God, Noah, in fact, all the inhabitants of the earth after the flood. Because God gave a rainbow. That was a covenant between God and, and man and all living things. But as far as written laws are concerned, the New Testament is the second law. Now there's something we need to know about that. Because right now, now, you've gone through that here in Alabama. But just on the news, last night as I was coming back from Tennessee, I heard this guy on the radio talking about the fact that the Ten Commandments are going to be removed from courthouses in Arkansas. And, of course, this guy was happy about it. He's uh, somebody that believes there shouldn't be any notice of any religion anywhere, and especially in our courts of law. For sure, we don't want the laws of God and and nature, and nature's God. we we can't have those anywhere close to to our view, you see. Uh, That would offend somebody. Well, the problem with that is... I would agree that the Ten Commandments are no longer in force. They, they are no longer the law by which we live. They were, in principle, the foundation of most civil governments, civilized civil governments. But the first law, being the law of Moses in this context, has been done away. And you don't have to go anywhere else. You just stay right here in this same context. As you read about Jesus being the mediator of a better covenant, the 12, better promises... In chapter 9, and verse 22, you read about the blood. Because you see, all things are sanctified by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Remission of sins. Remember, Jesus talked about His blood being shed for the remission of sins. Did He not? In Matthew 26, verse 28. This cup is my blood, of the New Testament shed for me for the remission of sins. But now, uh, staying right here in this context, we've got blood coupled with this covenant now, because when you get to chapter ten, you find that old covenant being spoken of. If that first covenant, now the law having a shadow of things to come, but not the very image of those things, could never with the sacrifices that they offered year by year and make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to then offered? Because that the worshipers once first should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For, verse 4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. He said there's no remission without the shedding of blood. But in reality, the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats under that old first covenant didn't really take away sin. It made a remembrance of those things every year. What's he telling us? Well, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, now that would be Jesus, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin hast thou had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it's written of me. To do thy will, O God, above when he said, sacrifice an offering and burn offerings and offerings of sin. Thou was not do that pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we, we are sanctified, notice, by the offering of, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. First, second, the new covenant is the second law of God. It is the second law that God gave for man. And notice now in chapter 10, the first will not save you. The second is the one by which you can be sanctified, made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to talk about that in the rest of this chapter. So now, point number one. The first of our five seconds is the fact that the gospel is that second law of God for man. And it's the one now spiritually binding upon us. It is this new covenant. Remember Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Here we have this second law that's binding on mankind from now to the end of time. But in that second covenant, that second law... There is the command for a second birth. In John 3, remember Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, We know thou art the future come from God. No man can do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said, Verily I send you, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus wasn't sure what he meant by that. Jesus went on to explain in verse 5 and verse 7 of John chapter 3. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Keep kingdom of heaven. The good thing is, that's not the only place we read about that. About that new birth. If you look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. You find Paul reflecting on the concept Jesus demonstrated here in this gospel record. And he said, now, not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Washing? Do you wash without using water? Well, not very often. We usually have a hand sanitizer at the table, you know, not we're eating out and you want to wash your hands, but you're not really washing them, you're just killing the church. You wash, you, you run water across. You, you, you have water involved in that process. And so now Jesus said you must be born with water and the Spirit. Paul, looking back on that, says you were. That's how you got to be a Christian. You were sanctified, you were washed, you were cleansed when you had the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Renewing, in that context, a word that means life again. You had life again, you were born again of the water and the Spirit. You were washed with the washing of regeneration, newness of life, when you, in other words, Obeyed the gospel in baptism. I had a fellow tell me one time. Well now. The gospel of John never mentions. The command to be baptized. And I asked him what was wrong with John 3.5. He said that's not what John 3.5 is about. I said are you sure about that? He said well now Jesus is not talking about baptism there. Well that's interesting because later on in the chapter you read about Jesus baptizing him. More disciples than John. That very same chapter. Right before that you read about John. The they in him, they're saying Because there was much water there. That's not baptism. Well, that's all it could be friends. Because it's washing. And it's newness of life. Uh, and that takes place. When I am buried with him in baptism. Raised to walk in. You can finish that. You know Romans 6.4. Newness of life. That's where it takes place. Cannot be denied. The new covenant commands. A second birth. This birth. And by the way. uh, Back in 1 Peter chapter 1. We've got that very thing. Being alluded to. When he talks about our new birth. He said seeing you have purified your souls. And obeyed the truth of the spirit. unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart. perfectly being born again. Now. He doesn't say how right there. He doesn't say baptism. He he doesn't say exactly what. But then he says, now this is the spirit that's involved in this, verse one. And now he says, as you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How did that happen, Peter? By the word of God. Who gave that word of God? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave that word of God and when I obey what that spirit teaches, I'm being born again of the Spirit. The Spirit bears witness with my Spirit that I'm a child of God. Romans 8 verse 16. The only way the Spirit bears witness with my Spirit is when I do what the Spirit teaches. Here's the testimony of the Spirit. Here's me doing what He said. And I say I did what He said. I'm then done. I'm a child of God. The new covenant. The second law commands a second birth. Then that Second law. That gospel of Christ also teaches a second covenant. Very simply. You've got to twist John 14, 1 through 6 all to pieces. Wreck it, rest it, tear it to pieces in order to avoid the obvious. When Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And now he said, I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Whether I go, you know the way, you don't. Know. Jesus said he's coming back, receiving us to himself and taking us to the Father's mansion." Now, how difficult is that to comprehend? That's not hard to comprehend. We, we can envision what it would be like, but I have a question. If this has been fulfilled, where is Jesus? Where's my Father's house? Where there are many mansions. Where is that place that He's received us to that's away from here? I will come again, receive you myself, where I am there, you may be also. I'll read in Hebrews chapter 12, do I not? That Jesus Christ is right now, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Is he going to set up kingdom somewhere else? Not in my Bible. He went to the Ancient of Days, Daniel 7, 13 and 14. He's not coming from the Ancient of Days to live here. He went to the Ancient of Days, and that's where he received his kingdom and power and dominion and glory. He's got that kingdom now, and he's coming to receive us unto himself. Not coming to abide with us here, he's coming to receive us unto himself. That means we're going to think. And, of course, there was that doubting Thomas who said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, how can we know the way? And that's when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man stays on earth and lives in a kingdom on earth forever. No man cometh to the Father but by me." Verse 6. I've got that hope, don't you? If you don't, we need to talk. If you're not living in hope of that second coming, but rather in dread or fear of it, we need to talk. There's only one way that that we can all be ready for that, and that's by following the one way Jesus commanded. There is going to be a second coming. Now, along with that, in words about that second coming, there are also some warnings about the second death. In Revelation 20, When John is summarizing the scene, summarizing the message, this book that that was given uh, to be given to the saints, this message that was uh, something regarding their lifetime beginning, looking to the end of this message now, he's talking about the summation of mankind's history. Not the events in the initial part of the book, but now looking at the end of all things. He says in Revelation 20, verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and the book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged uh, every man according to their works. And death and hell were swallowed up. And are cast rather into the lake of fire. This is. The second day. Whosoever was not found. Written. In the book of life. Was cast into the lake of fire. The second day. Most of us. Are. Mindful of the fact. That we're terminal. Hebrews 9 verse 27. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this the judgment. We understand that fact. But. Not everybody likes to think about that very often. And in fact, most people live in dread of that concept. Uh, you, you ask anybody who's ever tried to sell life insurance. Oh no, please. Don't want to talk about that because life insurance is really not life insurance. You see, it's, it's for the ones that keep living after you die. It's death insurance is what it is. Uh, but people don't want to talk about that. They want to ignore that subject. That's just your first death. That's just the thing that all of us are going to face unless the Lord comes before we end our walk here. Now, the second death, that's something that really is to be dreaded. That's something that we are to fear. That's what Paul was writing about in 2 Thessalonians 1, when... He said, now you who are troubled rest with us because God's got something good in mind for you, verse 5. It's a righteous thing for the Lord to recompense goodness to you. But trouble to those that are troubling you and to you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. But well, here's that other side of the coin now. Inflaming fire raining vengeance or taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. That word destruction doesn't mean annihilation. It means separation. Destruction, separation away from the presence of the Lord. Consequently, I'm going to be away from where the source of life is. The one who gave life to man. And in that sense. That will be the second death, Away from all that's good. Can you imagine being in an environment. Where there is nothing good. Nothing comfortable. Nothing comforting. That's it. That's the lake of fire and brimstone. Eternal punishment. Away from the presence of the Lord. The second death. I want to avoid that, and I want you to avoid that. And I'm not going to be happy with anybody I know, regardless of how corrupt and wicked they were. I will not take consolation in the fact that they are suffering in eternity for what they have done. I would far rather everybody, the worst human ever to live on this earth, I would much rather they had come to a knowledge of the truth and been saved before they died. Than to have to pay. For their own sins. For eternity in that fashion. Separation from God. That's never a good concept here. It's certainly not a good one eternally. It's the worst of all things Mm -hmm. that can be imagined. But then finally. With this second law. Which commands a second birth. Which speaks of a second coming. But also warns of a second death. There is a second law of pardon. And that's one that I'm most grateful for now. I learned about the first a long time ago. And when I learned it and when I understood it meant me, I recall Brother George Sider preaching the sermon, Enemies of the Cross. I was 12 years old. And man, that hit home with me. I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. I know that it's my sins that put Jesus on the cross. But it's that same cross that means I can be forgiven. I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. I want to be a friend of the one on the cross. So I obeyed the gospel. I just did that one time. Second birth, I just do that one time. But there have been many times that I've needed this second law of pardon. John talked about it in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. He said, now, you say you have a fellowship with him and walk in darkness? You lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have a fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we've not sinned, we make him liar. And his words know this. What's John telling us? Brother and sister? It's reality. We're going to strive for perfection. The next verse in chapter 2, verse 1 says, We're going to do our best to be without sin. We're going to strive not to sin. My little children, these things ride on you that you sin or not. That's the goal. Now if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but the sins of the whole world. What's he just told us? Reality, in our efforts to be like Jesus, we'll have a lot of successes, but every now and then we'll have some failures. We'll sin. We'll fall short of the mark. Romans 3.23. When we do, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus will plead our case again. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We get a second chance. The second law of pardon means, if I fail, as I will, as a child of God, I can be immediately and instantaneously restored. In fact, I can live in that life condition, walking in the light as he is in the light, and I can stay saved. I can have his blood cleanse me. Every time I fail, I confess and he forgives. It's an ongoing relationship. It's one that I can rejoice in. Not that I can assume that just because I'm a Christian, I'm okay. No, but I can know because he's promised when I confess my sins. He's faithful. You ever thought about talking about the creator of the universe And describing him with the word that's most often used of good servants. Faithful. God is acting in our best interest. God is acting in our service in a way. He's faithful. He's loyal. He will never ever fail. He's not our servants. But he certainly provides a service for us. In that we can call upon him for forgiveness. And he will do it immediately. He's faithful and just. Blood's still working, you see, he said. The blood still cleanses, but I confess my faults as this child. The second long pardon. I wonder, is somebody here this morning that needs that second chance? Is somebody here today that needs to say, Brothers and sisters, I've sinned. I need you to pray for me so that God will forgive me. We're ready. We understand. We've been there. We know what it means to need help. You can call upon the throne of grace. We will call upon the throne of grace in your behalf this morning, or this afternoon rather now, if you will just come and confess those sins. If you're not a child of God. Well, now is the time uh, to start down that road where you are walking hand in hand, figuratively speaking, spiritually speaking, it, it is the case that you're walking hand in hand with the Savior who died for you. You're walking in His light. You're walking with Him. And in the light where Christ is the light, well, He's with the Father, isn't He? That's the light He's in. Hebrews chapter 6, 19 and 20. He's entered into that within the veil. When I walk in the light as He is in the light, in that sense, I'm walking with Him. If you want that kind of relationship with your Heavenly Father, it's the only one that takes you to heaven that you need to become, to As you believe He's the Son of God, surely the evidence is overwhelming. Here it is. Uh, this testimony is eyewitness testimony. Uh, it cannot be denied. It's true. It's been proven to be true. If you will accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repent of your sin, acknowledge the faith that you have in Christ with your mouth, and be buried with Him in baptism, just as we said, you'll be raised to walk in newness of life. You can become a new creature in Christ Jesus right now. We've got things ready. It'll take just a few minutes to make final preparations. But if that's what you need to do to become a Christian, I'll just tell you this. Jesus said in Luke 15, there's rejoicing among the angels in heaven. I'll tell you, there's going to be some rejoicing here. If you'll come and obey the gospel this morning, this afternoon, put Christ on and start that walk with him there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to let you know just how grateful they are to God for allowing you this opportunity to you for making this decision to follow Jesus Christ make this commitment to him won't you do it today will you come now